Before we kick this show off, let's hear a word from our sponsors. Under Pressure Outdoors is brought to you in part by Hasmore Outdoor Products. Hasmore Outdoor Products manufactures quality replacement seats for a multitude of climber brands as well as a host of other products built with the hunter in mind. Take it from us. Your butt will thank you and you'll be able to spend more hours in your stand. Hop over to their website by clicking on the link in the podcast description and order the tree stand trick out kit for your stand today and you'll have everything you need to hunt longer and harder. Make sure you use code UPO15 at checkout to get 15% off your next order. I'm your host, Will Krebs, and this is the Under Pressure Outdoors Podcast. We're back this week, and we've got Captain... Will McNutt back in the studio with us again for the second time, but oddly enough, we're not here to talk about fishing. We're here to talk about something else, an adventure that he took away from the seas and into the mountains and uh, hear his story. So tonight I'm joined by Jim. Yes, sir. Jordan. We're here and ready to get after it. And Captain McNutt, you go ahead and tell us a little, about your, a little bit about yourself and then we'll introduce your, your buddy here. Hey guys, uh, I'm back again. Um, Captain William Nutt, I run a charter boat out of New Smyrna Beach, Ponce Inlet. Um, running every day, and uh, well, can't wait to hop into this elk hunt. You know, uh, it was I arrived on September 17th of last, you know, September 17th last year for the over-the-counter elk hunt, and in, uh, in Colorado. And I was highly successful, trip of a lifetime. Can't wait to get into it. Captain Murray. Hey, guys. Yeah, I've been uh, a captain here in, in New Smyrna Beach uh, for the last seven years. And I'm fifth generation from right here in this area. So I met Captain Will, you know, working in the business. And we just kind of hit it off, you know, with the love of hunting and fishing, you know. Yep. We've, uh, we've had some great times. It was last golfer season. Yeah. It was That's exactly right. last. It was the towards the end of last conversation. So it's kind of hunting and fishing. Kind of seems to be like one of those things that tends to go hand in hand. But you always have the guys that uh, I don't know. You can love both equally. You always have one you enjoy more. And I assume that you guys probably enjoy fishing a little more than you enjoy hunting. I'd but say every year's different. To be honest with you. Come in a little like- closer to that microphone. I'd say uh, every year is different, at least for me. You know, this year I'm real focused on fishing. You know, I can't get it out. And then next year I'll be real focused on chasing ducks, you know. And like me right now, I'm <clears throat> I'm trying to get back in the fishing mood, even though I've been fishing <laughs> right. quite often right now, but just like hunting season won't quit. <laughs> it's like a, a shoot, uh, what? Thursday, Thursday morning I'll be, I'm headed back to Arkansas for a snow goose hunt. I just, I got it. I got it. I got to put down the gun, man. Pick up the reel. Get back to work. But. You can't beat it, man. I, I love the fact that I love to hunt. Hunting is my thing, and mm-hmm. I will hunt all season long and never touch a fishing rod. But then, but, as soon as hunting season over, I'm kind of sitting here going, "Well, 
I literally looked down and I said, well, what do I do with my hands? And you yeah. got to get back out there and do something. I don't know. I think, I think with the, the, on the fishing standpoint, it's like every time my boat leaves the inlet or the dock, I mean, it's, it's, it's the hunting mindset. Like I'm hunting for the fish. So I'd, I'd have to say like, I'm a lean, I'm, I'm a lean towards like towards the hunting side of it because everything i'm thinking about the movements of everything you know the feed times everything what are they doing why are they feeding what are they breeding you know like uh, this guy here taught me how to mangrove snapper fish and it's all about the spawning season well what is everything we hunt everything we hunt's about you know like when are they breeding you know when is the white tail rut when is the elk rut it's all september you better get there because it's not going to be there in november you know it's it's everything's directed around that so I, i would think i'm more of a hunting mindset I'm hunting for the next rock. I'm hunting for that next weed line. Yeah, you know, yeah. Maybe it's just the, I guess, the better understanding. I said because when I go out to fish, I just kind of go out and hope to get lucky. Yeah, I don't really, <laughs> yeah. I don't really understand the the. Uh, there's, I guess, there's, the whole science behind it. You you could say there's a there's a switch that you'll flip one right. day, and then just it's like like am I am I searching or am I finding? You know, like am I using this and that to to get to my end result. You know, if not, you're just, you know, looking around in a circle. Hoping to get lucky. Yeah. Yeah. But sometimes, sometimes <laughs> it's that way because, like, sometimes you don't have the variables that you need to find what you're trying to do. Well, man, let's go ahead and dive on into it. You sent the you sent me these pictures, man. This was back, had to be about December time frame maybe, maybe late November. Yeah. Sometime around then. So we've got to get back and talk about this elk hunt. Yeah, I'd, how'd you I, get out there? Like, tell, no. you mentioned the gentleman that you went out with. I guess you've you've had a relationship for a while. How 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 well, that I, well I, okay, this is well. Two years ago, I went to Idaho unsuccessfully. It was a great trip. I mean, I broke myself off. Didn't see any elk. Seen moose. Seen you know grizzlies and black bear. No elk. You know, I crushed the mountains. You know, hurt every bone in my body. It was unsuccessful, but I learned a lot. You know, got back ready to go again somehow because we're hunters and we're crazy because we always want to you know, get it again well my buddy had a wedding up in north georgia and and it was during gobbler season and i don't go anywhere when i don't have a mouthy open and shotgun with me and we showed up there and i'm two days before the wedding i'm like i'm i'm gonna pound these mountains yeah i'm gonna find me an eastern in the mountains i've never done that before there was another guy there that was said hey i'm not gonna lay out drunk all night i want to go kill a turkey too and come to find out, it's my good friend Alan that's in these pictures. And, you know, I know y'all can't see this, but I have the in our what do you call this? The studio. studio. The studio. Yeah. Well, the studio is littered, littered with copier paper and printer paper of all these pictures and stuff. With you know, when I was in Colorado, and uh, Alan's in a few of these. We'll take a bunch of these pictures if you got uh, digital copies of them. I'll get them up when the podcast comes yeah. out. So yeah. Yeah. Definitely. definitely. He sent them to us on Instagram. Yeah, I'll pull them down. yeah, and I can yeah. send, I can send them more whatever whatever we need to do. But Alan is he's he got into it later later in life, but his family were all career Colorado, you know, high country hunters. They're big mule deer hunters. These guys got some freaks of mule deer. I mean, they're incredible. They, they got a lodge just like you can't find any drywall because it's all hanging muleys. And uh, they, they're they're big elk hunters too. But it's like you know, you don't kill an elk every year. I don't care how good you are. Yeah, even if you have a trophy bull tag and a trophy unit, you know, God's good grace and a little bit of luck has to happen for you to, to you know, to get an arrow in one of these animals. But um, I went and found a bird. 
next day I had him roosted and Alan drew down on him, you know, about 35 minutes after fly down time, he rolled him down a hill and run down there and caught him. It was just a monster Eastern. He told me, he's like, man, he said, if any time, you know, you're wanting out West, he said, just get up with me. He said, my family are, are Western hunters. He said, you know, we might not be successful, but at least you'll, you'll be around people that's doing it. And I said, well, you screwed, you screwed. See you next fall. <laughs> yeah, you screwed up because I'm coming. You know, like, <laughs> swallow your tongue because I'm on the way. And uh, just everything worked out. And um, like I said, I, I arrived on September 17th, and I was actually planning out there being being there all of, all of bow season, and all of September when the rut is really crushing it. And uh, just like anything with turkeys, uh, mangrove snapper, if anything's breeding. I mean, humans go crazy on full moon. But, you know, like at full moon September, anywhere that there's an elk sticking his hoof in the dirt, that is that is when the rut's really getting after it. Now, granted, they're, they're up all night, so there's a lot of the challenges and stuff. But full moon September, you need to be in the right place. And, uh, well, headed out there, met up with met up with Alan. And Alan's actually, he's he's actually in flight school right now for that. He's, he's a Marine like me. and um, But right now he's in the National Guard. He's in flight school and and uh it's in alabama yeah flight school in alabama for helo helo school and uh he had to he had to fly back out and do some training and stuff and he was going to meet up back with me but he met me in colorado when i got there bought a license everything and his uncle the man that's in these pictures that uh that we did the goat hunt with he said hey uh you know over the counter tags he had a trophy bull tag and a trophy unit that took uh, 17 years to get you know, it's crazy. Uh, but anyway, 17 years to get, so he was going to be over there. Couldn't really help us out. But he said, hey, I know where this ridge line is in this over-the-counter unit. He said, you can go here if you want to see some help. And I was like, mm, uh, okay. And, well, I didn't really understand it. It was just, you know, it was text. He sent sent uh, Onyx points. Went up there to it. I didn't understand at the time that he said, if you want to go look at elk, here's a good area. He didn't tell me that there was cliff faces. There's cliff faces. <laughs> and that, the reason these elk are here is because they're safe. No one can get to them. And, uh, well, I have to paint the picture here, not just show everybody pictures. But anyways, there's a cliff face, drops down, you know, 1,000, 1,500 feet. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's real deal stuff here. And gets down to a you know these rolling ridge lines, ridge lines, ridge lines. It's about you know if you had a three thirty eight Lapua eleven you know eleven hundred yard, twelve hundred yard shots between ridge line and ridge line, and it just goes down this mountain range. Well, at the bottom, at the bottom of these ridges is a highway. Easy day, you just come from the highway, just walk straight up. You don't have no cliff faces. Well, the problem is with any anything we're dealing with. Um, <clears throat> we're dealing with uh you know public lands you have to you have to watch your borders you know we all have to, you've got to do it the right way you got to pay attention to your private land look at your own x points do your math i mean you know, you know do your homework well right along that highway down there on that flat area was all cattle land you couldn't access it so the only way to these plateaus plateaus was off the cliff and me being me i didn't understand he meant not go to, don't go down there so I showed up first day. Alan's, you know, he's back at training. He's going to be there in a few days. I get there, and he said, hey, I heard a bull here, and I heard a bull there. They're all down off that cliff. Well, I found I found a single cow track, you know, cow elk track, going, you know, to this little peninsula, 
and it was like a 10 foot drop and then a pretty decent spine down down this ridge line and i was like eh, well a cow elk can do it I, I should be able to do it and it was a there was a sketchy 10 foot spot there and then the rest of it come to find out this is the only access point you know legit access point to these plateaus down there got down there and Oh, by the way, everybody, this, I, I have no idea what I'm doing here. I'm just doing the best I can uh, on this elk hunt. Cause like I've never had any formal training or anything. I'm just, I'm, I'm crushing mountains. Yeah. That's all I'm doing. Winging it. I'm, I'm winging yeah. It. yeah. I got it. You know, I got my calls. Got, you know, I, I practiced, you know, shot my bow, you know, trained up the best I can. And I'm down there and I'm in them and I get down there and I haven't heard a bull and little, pull that mic in a little closer to you. Little, little did I know. You know, I should have sat up on the ridge line and and I should have located bulls. I should have located a herd, and then I should have targeted that. But me and my ignorance, I had no idea. I just figured, you know, get in the timber, you know, go find them. Thinking whitetails, you know, you got, right. you got to get down there and find their sign. You know, well, it sounds I, like the first challenge you had to figure out was how to get down the thousand foot cliff, and that was the whole. You followed that, right? Well, and that's elk track down through through a spine and found a way down into the flats. Is that is that what I understood from the part, first part of the story? Yeah, and that yeah. and see, I, I I accessed these plateaus, and that, yeah. you got to think these these are miles and miles of of this bench that's down off this cliff face. Well, this is right on the edge of the private land. There's really good stuff on that private land, but you know I can't access it, yeah. so I'm all looking on the public area, and I go down. I go down and I'm accessing this trail and I'm working down and, you know, a sketchy 10 foot spot. It's really it's incredibly steep, but it's, it's walkable. You can, you, you know, you can get down there. So I'm getting down there and I'm thinking that every one of these spines are this way. Cause this is literally the first spine I've made it up to and me just rushing, you know, not taking my time, not doing, you know, not doing my physical homework when I got there. I just did on X points when I got, you know, at this point. But I got down there and I'm seeing elk sign, you know, but it is, it is incredibly thick. I'm thinking like this, this is, some, this is some tough country and it's dry. This is high desert country. I'm thinking, you know, snow cap, man, I was just looking at pictures, you know, cause I'm, I'm, I've never been that to Colorado. I flew into Denver one time and drove to Idaho. You know, like, I don't know nothing about this. I'm from Florida. Well, I brought my pumps and everything. I got, you know, sanitation tablets. I am thinking I can get water. This is all high desert stuff. On the south faces, you're talking about there's like scrub and button bushes that you would think would be like on the tundra of Alaska. You can see, and uh, I'll show you all, but I have to explain it. Uh, there's one picture here that these button, there, here it is, right? That, that these bushes I'm talking about that, you know, you look a thousand yards a mile through your, your glass and you think that these bushes are knee high. You know, there's a herd of elk there. No problem. I'll see them. If they're there, I'll see them. And then you get down there in it. And these, these things are 10 foot tall. It can hide a bull elk. Even his tips of his horns. I mean, like you can't see them. And it's in this incredibly rugged, thick and dry terrain, like rip your pants type stuff. It's but in the, incredibly steep. It's like the worst terrain I could possibly think of hunting. Well, I work down the spine. I'm getting down there and like I said, I don't know what I'm doing. I found some dark, I found some dark timber that was open areas. It had a few trails and it had a few sign. And like when I was in Idaho, I didn't, I didn't see any sign. Well, I found elk tracks. I'm like, man, I'm in the heat now. Yeah, like I'm on it. Yeah. And, uh, but I still haven't seen any elk work down the trails, work down the trails. And I kind of get down to the end of the spine where I can, where it drops down to the highway and down to the private land. 
and I just and at this time it's almost dark. Find a place that I can build a, build camp, and when I mean camp, it's literally my sleeping pad and a tarp that I build a you know an A-frame over because you know it's on my back. Everything's on my back here, and <clears throat> I'm looking. I can see the best thing I can see, and I can tell like yeah, you know, I've always been told elk are in dark timber. But I can see dark timber is always on the north faces for us Floridians or anyone else is listening. The dark timber is always on the north faces because that's where that's where your fronts are coming from. That's where the moisture hits the mountains. South side is your dry side of the mountains always. It don't matter where you're at, Alaska, or if you're in, you know, the Smokies. So I can see, I can see the north face, and I'm sitting there, and it's getting dark, and it's getting dark, and I'm just glassing, 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 hoping for something that is, you know, I haven't seen any elk, seen a few sign, and I just kind of like moving really fast. I see this little yellow dot. It's moving. There are two little yellow dots. I'm glassing. I got them locked in. I see them in the naked eye first. And at this point, they're like 970 yards on the adjacent ridge, and they're moving in like a right to left 45 degree angle up to a plateau, and they're moving. I'm like elk. You know, like this is this is another milestone. Like I've seen them. You know, like I did building my confidence here. No bulls, but it's two cows. I was happy with that day. You know, like I got down there and I seen elk. Last trip, I didn't even see an elk. And um, <clears throat> then darkness fell, took camp, and uh, daybreak the next morning, I'm trying to find, you know, these two elk again, trying to listen for a bugle. And uh, it's kind of really cold, beautiful. It's a little bit of a frost that morning. And, you know, and I, I got my bugle tube out, and I didn't figure no cow calls would be necessary because I don't think there's any cows around me. I know with turkeys, you know, if you, you cluck and purr and, there's nothing around you. There's nothing out here. You're going to need to do a location call or whatever. And uh, so I, I let out a, just the deepest, loudest scream I could do through my bugle tube. Nothing. Wait about 20 minutes. I hit it again. I'm still glassing that north face where I've seen the elk before. And down towards the highway, the lowest spot that I could possibly think about down there, I heard just, ooh, 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 ooh. And, and, and I, I literally just sat there for a second. I was like, I don't Did I just hear that. Yeah, I, I don't know what that is exactly, but I know what it is. You know, like I, that that was that was that chuckle behind a bugle because it's deeper. You know, you can hear low frequencies better than you can hear high frequencies at long distances. It penetrates. You know, you can. And, and I just sat there, and you know, I was like, that, that that was a bull, but at the at, it was kind of surreal. And you know, I'm thinking like, eh, I didn't wasn't even really expecting to hear a bull, but I was going to keep. I was going to hunt the hardest I could. And then all of a sudden it got real, you know, it, it, that was him. And I bugled again. And then I heard that, that cry and, you know, that, that, that screech of the bull. Uh, and then he, he, he chuckled after it. And I was like, this is not just a bull. This is a big bull. And he's pretty pissed that I'm up here, you know, sounding off before him. And then he moved down the highway and went around my ridge, went around the second ridge. And then you know, he kind of disappeared into the mist of the of the mountains. I have no idea where he went. Now it's all speculative. After this, did you hear him or do you see it? Did you? I, I could only hear. I could only hear. I'd seen nothing that that morning. But he was screaming the whole time. That's how. You oh yeah, yeah. He was yodeling like Alpine Yank. I mean, he oh, was getting wow. after it. And meanwhile, your heartbeat's going boom, 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 boom. Oh all yeah, time. yeah. But I'm I'm also thinking about how in the heck am I going to get over there where he's at. Yeah. Because this, just to go to ridge to ridge was an all-day affair because of the, the topography was just horrible, straight up and down. 
and it was so rugged that you'd have to tear through everything. And I'm trying to work. I'm trying to make sure my bow is still going to work once I get there and everything. And <clears throat> so I'm, I'm, I know that I need to go find wherever this bull is. And, uh, <clears throat> so I sat there and I made a plan. I said, Hey, I know I seen elk. I know I seen elk on this adjacent ridge. I got to get over there. And then he could have went up that spine or he could have went up the next one. So my next, my next goal was just to get to that next one over there. So I went, you know, it's, there is no option because there's cliff face on my right to the West highway to my left to the East. And that's private land. I can't go down there. I can't go up there and walk around. So I had to just go straight down, straight back up the next ridge. And like I said, I, at this point I had no idea really how long it would take me, but it literally took me just about all day. This is early morning when I made this decision. Made all the way down, got up the next ridge, and I could see where those elk went. There's a little plateau over there. It's real beautiful. It was like a prairie-looking flat area, like a, or like an LZ where you'd land a helicopter or something. It was, it was really beautiful right over on this area. And I said, I'm going to get up, and I'm going to go on top of that ridge, and I'm going to work down to there because that's where those two cows were headed. And I said, at nightfall, I'm just going to be set up right there, and I'm going to you know, cow call and stuff, and we'll see what happens. Work my way over there. It's in the evening. I get <clears throat> I get down there, work my way, find a spot that I knew where I would camp. And I got to that plateau area, you know, no impact, no idea. I haven't seen any elk, found plenty of elk sign. And this is where I found the shed. It was laying, it was like, it was like you were baiting somebody. Like the most open spot in a hundred miles was the, in the middle of this little, this little LZ looking area here. And that's where that shed was sitting. I was like, well, this is cool. Man, this is a giant elk shed. I've never touched elk horn until this point. And I grabbed it, you know, and I'm carrying it with me and examining it. I worked down that ridge, found the you know, found the trails, and I was <clears throat> going to just set up and cow call and wait till you know black dark and just see what happened. And that's when <laughs> that's when all the action really started. Because on the next ridge to the south, you know, the second ridge, well, the second or third ridge, whatever you would call it, down, you know, right at dark, I heard my first like he's right there bugle you know and then the thing started really getting real and when i did i kind of he was in rifle range at that point i knew you were bow hunting but 338 pool range oh, okay <laughs> Six, seven, eight, bob lee swacker down. range yeah. uh, <laughs> not none of us not and yeah he was he was a he was a poke Okay. But uh, and I, I kind of when I heard that I said I need to get to the next vantage point I got to figure this out I, I I doubted there was anything on my ridge just from just from the amount of sign that I've seen and just I run off instinct ninety ninety nine percent of the time if my instinct says that I just do it it's never let me down and I kind of as fast as I could sprint up because I'm still acclimating to the altitude at this point I get up to the highest knoll I could find which was few hundred feet above where i said i was going to camp and i just like i still have a little bit of daylight left and i start glassing 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 and all of a sudden there's elk i mean uh, there's a bunch of them there's at least 15 to 20 cows i can three i can see three satellite bulls and they are just um, i mean doing it like elk supposed to do it over the counter that all right guys remember this is this is over the counter tags this don't happen you know you most of the time you're chasing an elk that is terrified. It's been chased by everybody in the country. 
they're coming to Colorado because you can get an over-the-counter tag, and everybody's chasing them, blowing, 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 calling, 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 calling. These these bulls are terrified. Well, these elk are acting like elk. You know, come to find out, they're only they're here because no one is they can't they can't get to them. That's you know that's why they're acting like elk, which is still awesome at this point. So I went to bed, and you know I I, I found the herd that I'm, that I'm looking for here. I went to bed and just all night, you know, the moon rise looks like daylight outside. You know, it's real it's dry air in the mountains. So, you know, big full moon, dry air, just like you turn the light switch on. And then bulls are just around me and they're just screaming. I'm like, I, I could just remember laying there, going, you know, thank you, God. I said, it, it, I, I said, at this point, I mean, I, I'm just thankful to be here. This is, this is incredible because it's already exceeded everything that I expected. And uh, next morning, Rose kind of got quiet. You know, you, you know I was up, uh, up before daylight because, you know, I'm fired up at this point. And you can see the just the haze on, on, on the horizon. And as soon as that light started, the elk started to. And they, you know, start screaming. They're just ping-ponging back and forth. They're all on this north face of this next ridge over. And they're just boom, boom, boom screaming screaming i can just see you know it looked like decoys at this point because the cows are sitting still and until the sun broke over the horizon i never seen a bull and when i seen a bull then they just started moving everywhere and there was three satellite bulls and a herd bull and this herd bull was a booner i'm talking about he's he's the, he's the real deal and uh and I, i'm in i'm in I, like i can't even move i'm just i'm just like studying these animals i was like this is incredible yeah, you know, it's just I, I was just in awe, and that went on until you know the sun, <clears throat> the sun got up on that north face, and they all just flooded back in the dark timber, and I, I had to make a game plan. Well, Alan was going to be back at the, at the airport that night, and I had to you know I had to link up with him. Well, like I said earlier, this high desert, I'm running out of water at this point. I can't stay on the mountain i have to get out i have to i have to find a way to get water or, or you know the hunt, the hunt cannot go on i was going to ask that you said that there was you're on day three at this point mm-hmm. so you i assume we're rationing your water but still three days of water up and down this mountain that's a that's a haul man yeah <laughs> that's some weight you're you're really dehydrating yourself at this point because you're rationing it out and you're doing the best you can because you want to <laughs> you want to just be pounding water yeah, but you, you never found any. Uh, zero, none. <sighs> this this entire hunt until the goat hunt, you know, which is a week and a half later, I found water, which is you know at twelve thousand feet, I found some water. But there was where I was, and it was it was close to Rifle, Colorado. And anybody knows where that at? It's a desert there, and I had no idea going there. So, like I said, I had to pack water in and out. Well, that morning I found the elk, and I was really confident in my ability to at least be amongst them. I was like, I found them and I just need to figure out how to kill them. You know, how to, how to, you know, how to devise a hunt and figure this out. So I started back up and I said, well, I'll just go up the spine right here and there'll be a 10 foot spot, you know, where I have to, you know, mountain climb up it. And it won't be a problem. Well, come to find out, like I said, I went down the only access point in this Canyon here. And, uh, well, I, I worked my way up to these sheer cliff faces that was 
you know, that thousand foot drop I'm talking about, you know, there has, there has, there's, you can climb up to it until it hits the sheer cliff face, which is a few hundred feet. And I got to the point where like, I was out of water. I didn't know where I was. I didn't know how to get out of there. And I'm like, at this point, I'm like, this, this is actually a, a dangerous situation. I was like, I have, to, I have to be real careful here. I was on the edge of an avalanche chute and you know, all I needed to do was just a few hundred feet and I would get up there to where I had plenty of water in the truck because I was sitting up on this high plateau and you know, I was sitting there and I was, I, I looked and I looked, looked and there was no access point, but I could, I could climb it. I knew I could climb, but without a hundred percent success, there was a pretty good chance of death because if I fell right there, it would, it, it was not good. Yeah. It was not good. And I'd made my mind up. I said, yeah, I'd found the track. I said, you know, this, this is, this is where I'm going to do it. This is where I'm going to climb up it. And at this point I said, you know, this, this hunt's probably not going to be possible if I can get out of here because it's not going to be accessible to get back in here safely. And I was just, I took off my pack and I had a rope and I was going to, I was going to climb a little bit, pull my pack, climb a little bit, pull my pack. And I was sitting there without my pack on. And I like said a little prayer and I said, you know, what? I, I said, this, this is where I make my stand. Cause I'm out of water. I can't go back to where I came up at. And, you know, I would, I would, I would dehydrate before I got to where I accessed it before. And I said, you know what? I'm going to walk around. I'm going to walk down this cliff and I'm going to walk around there where that dark timber turns back in. And I found a bear track when I was over there. And it was like God, like, like he pointed me to that bear track. And that's why I learned if, if, an, if you can't find, if you're in the mountains and you cannot find where an animal has stepped where you've stepped, you don't belong there. Because that's their mountain. We're guests there. You know, if an elk hasn't walked it, if a bear hasn't walked it, if a daggum lizard hasn't walked it, you, there's a reason they haven't went there before. And I went back and got my pack, and there was just a little tiny pig trail. I'm talking about, like, just big enough I could fit my pack and me climbing, scaling up it, but it was dirt. And it weaved up through those cliffs, and I made it all the way back to the top, got to my truck, and, you know, got water, got down and got out, and, and I would, that was – that was a big part of the story because like I had, I had to come to Jesus meeting right on the side of that mountain because it got real there for a second. And it was like, God, lit, like he, he drove me to that bear track, which it wasn't a hundred yards away, but I was, I done made my mind up. I was going up right here. When you say it was steep, was it straight vert where you were looking to be handholding and footholding the whole way up? Yeah. And little, just, but there's little benches along the way where you could get, if I could just get to that point, I could rest. Or were you talking about a, a 200 foot, Straight climb, or once you start, there's well, you're climbing two hundred feet. It it was slate rock, so yeah. So you, you you're talking about instead of like you know, real mountain climber stuff, they're grabbing like one inch ledges and stuff. It wasn't that bad, but it's it was, also brittle as hell too. It's really brittle, and that's the dangerous part. Like things would crumble underneath you, and it's just the uncertainty of it. And yeah, you know, it just wasn't a good situation. And th- thankfully, I found that trail and got out of there. But uh. I'm really happy I didn't climb that <laughs> because the pr- the problem was something like they just say like ah well I ain't got 25 feet right there what's well, a false summit you get up there and then you don't know what's yeah. above that because you can't see above it you know the false summits will no uh, you want you want a heartbreak climb something because there's another one right up above it right know? you talk to search and rescue guys and that's a big reason where when hunters don't come back mm-hmm. that's what happens to them they they get and especially because you said there's a hairy 10 foot section. And they, you know, they let their pack down and they hang off and they drop in, and then they're walking around and they can't find they can they just can't find a way back up. 
you know, they dropped in figure and there's a way they'll just figure another way up later and mm-hmm. they can't find it. And then they run out of water, run out of food. Well, that was me. Exposure. Right there. Yeah. That was me close. right there. And it, it could have been, it could have been the worst, but I mean, it didn't. I'm thankful for it. Learn from it. And that, that situation never happened again because now I know follow the animals. That The animals are going to tell that they, they know how to get up and down that stuff. I don't follow them. That's pretty cool. I seen that, like you talked about, it was an elk track that led you down. Mm-hmm. That gave you the, the single single cow track headed down the mountain. I assume find. that you you got pins and stuff on that, so if you wanted to go back out there, you could go back oh, yeah, to yeah, that yeah, spot. I, and then I you know also know where your pig trail is on the mm-hmm. way back up. Uh, yeah, yeah cool. I, I found over the course of this this week, I I found uh, several bear trails, and I, I learned that a bear can climb things that hooved animals get well other than mountain goats and stuff like that sheep mountain goats yeah they can climb anything but you know mule deer mule deer and elk can't climb things that bears can can't they that they can climb and we can climb anything that bear can you just have to be careful with it you know they're they're going to take the the path of least resistance and uh, most of those spines had a way it was just hidden And, Mm. and to the untrained eye to a florida boy that does knows nothing about the mountains it was just hidden and I had to learn it the hard way and but I got it now so now we're on what day four or how many days right day four yes yeah it was it that day yeah that was day four and how how long total were you out there hunting mm, it was uh day seven day seven is when is when I made the shot on the bull and uh it was day seven. It took 26 hours to get him off the mountain. Jeez. All right. Well, hey, we still got yeah. three no, more days of adventure before we get to <laughs> yeah. day seven. And, and that's man, without that, arthritis. Right. right. <laughs> there's there's so much that goes into it. I mean, you, you only covered the first four days, and you didn't even let an arrow fly yet, and you had more action-packed adventure and just a, a lifetime full of experience and memories just in the first four days. Yeah, it was it was crazy. Yeah, I'm hooked, and so far all he's been doing is sightseeing. I almost got himself killed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no kidding, no kidding. Yeah, yeah it's. Nah, I can't I can't stress how real it got there for a second. I mean, you, know, you was, until you said it, I never really thought that if the animal hasn't been there, you shouldn't be there. No, the like only you thing have, you have no business being there. If 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 they don't bother being there, you have no business. Yeah, being the there. only thing else that goes there if they're not there is birds. Yeah. Yeah. They have and, wings. Yeah, we don't. Yeah. I, I can't recall. I can't recall the last time I've been in that situation, but I I know I've been in situations where you're just kind of like, I can't, like you don't even want to, like I can't believe I'm here. Mm-hmm. Like now, I, it's like I. There's no good solution. It's it's a choice of what's going to be the one that might hurt the least. <laughs> you know, but you, and you're there, and and and, you, and you're like you're trying to bargain with yourself, like maybe there's another way. That's every yeah, day yeah. of elk hunting, by the way. Yeah. Well, yeah, every, yeah, but you know, that, I know, I'm trying to relate to that. You're sitting there, like I, I've, I've screwed myself. I'm out of water. I know there is another way out, but I might literally not make it back, or I'm going to be in real danger of you know, cramping up. I and mean, you know, when, mm-hmm. when you run out of salt and stuff, you're you're screwed. So that's what. That's or when reality. I'm going to really try to climb. In. I'm going to try to climb a shale face where I could get, like you said, a hundred feet up there and it could give way 
or I think I'm at the top and then it turns out I'm not. Or worse, you could even climb yourself into a situation where you can't go further and you're a hundred feet up and now you got to go down, which mm. would, well, I guess, yeah, it depends. I don't know if you've got rappelling gear with you, but still that's not exactly the easiest stuff to rappel out of either. So yeah, man, that's a, I'm glad I wasn't there, but I can, you know, by proxy say, I can understand the emotions you were dealing with were like, I'm, I got no wins. I'm, I'm just, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I, I mean, there's, there's, there's times you just have to make a decision. Yep. And, uh, that was one. Uh, that, that was one of those times. Like I just, I gave it to God. I, I, this sounds crazy, but I, I just I, I prayed and I said, Lord, I said, I said, if this is the way, make me go that way. If it's not, you know, show me something else. And for some reason, I dropped my pack and walked around that corner, and I found that bear trail. I mean, say, say what you want, do what you want to do. Listen to my story, but that's what happened. So the moment before in, you in that walked, moment, I'm sorry. Go ahead. The moment before you walked around that corner on a on a uh, butthole pucker factor scale of one to ten. Mm-hmm. Where were you sitting at right there? I got, I, I, I had peace with it. I finished the, the, uh, third of a bottle of water I had left and I finished it and I said, bad, <laughs> there's worse ways to go. I mean, yeah. I said, if, if anything happened, if something happened to me right here, I'd, man, I, this is the place to do it. Yeah. I'm- yeah. This is the place to do it. Right out here by myself, elk hunting, giving it all I got. I mean, I this this is the place. I, I, I'm okay with it. If something happened, I'm okay with it. That's what I was thinking. So how'd you feel when you found that bear track, though? <laughs> ah! <Yeah. laughs> Clouds parted. Yeah. Sun on the bear track. I'm like skirting down the cliff. I'm like, get my pack, get my pack. I found the way, boys. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Uh, I'll say you 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 got to be standing at at the bottom of that phase thing. That's like one of those gut check reality moments where you're like, if it happens, it happens. Uh, literally, literally yeah. As, and, and you can't plan for something like that. No, it, just, it, it is what it is when it happens. But I mean, that's that was that was my reality at that point. I mean, I and I I didn't print out some of the pictures, but like I have a I have pictures of me sitting on that avalanche shoot. Yeah, I didn't print them out. Of sitting on that avalanche chute where where I was just I, I you could see in my eyes. Like if I had color picture, you could see in my eyes, I was broke off. Like like physically, like I'm I'm like depleted. You know. But I was I, this this was my way. This is the path that I was gonna take and I made my mind up to do it. And it all worked out. So all right. you had to drive and get this other guy? Hang on, Jordan. Yeah, I, I finally made it back to the truck and, you know, was happy to be there. Pounded a few bottles of water. And uh, I, I, oh yeah, I, I do remember that, you know, I set out my target and just made sure because the, the terrain was so rugged. And, you know, I, I fell several times. Not, nothing crazy. But I banged up my bow. And by the way, this trip is a testament to if anybody wants to, to test out Matthew's bows. I don't know. I can tell you that a Matthew Z7, not the Z7 Extreme, but a Matthew Z7 is very durable because I put it through his paces on this hunt. But got back, I was on you know top of that plat, uh, on top of the ridge line where my truck was. Shot a few arrows, you know. I'm still shooting true, and I uh, come off the mountain, went to pick up Allen, got a you know fresh hot shower, some good food, and uh, we prepared for the next day. 
So what are you eating when you're out there for those first four days? Well, yeah, like like I said in the uh, first the the first time I was in this in the layer here, uh, you know, I'm in 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 an environment when I'm in the woods. I'm used to eating MREs because you know from my Marine Corps background. Well, Marine Corps, you know, in the Marine Corps we eat MREs constantly, and that's all we have in the field. Well, they're a water based, you know, substance. You know, all different kinds of flavors all taste like crap. Well, they're really heavy. Well, as any mountain hunter knows, they come up with this thing called Mountain House. Well, Mountain House is, you know, dehydrated food, which means it is light. Very, very light. Change the game. Change the game. It takes 30 pounds out of my pack, actually, for, you know, a week-long hunt. But I was just, you can pick them up at Walmart, any Mountain House meals. They're actually delicious. That's very surprising for, I recommend it. You know what? You know what's crazy? I got a buddy of mine who lives out in California, and him and his brother uh, try to do a backcountry mule deer hunt every year. Mm. And he was packing the mountain houses, and his brother has been doing these backcountry mule deer hunts solo for quite a while. And he's got to the point where he actually makes his own mountain house style meals. His wife will make lasagna for dinner. That's next. They take a portion of it out, put it in the dehydrator, dehydrate it, then he vacuum seals it. He's, fu- he's fully committed here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he opens it up, adds a little water to it, heats it up, and he's got lasagna from yeah. the house. He probably presses it on toilet paper, too. Like <laughs> yeah, <he's- probably>. <laughs> <laughs> That's but, pretty cool, though. I'd yeah. actually learn. I'd like to learn how he does that. Yeah. it's. I mean, it's just another idea to think of. I'm sure the mountain house ain't bad, but uh, if you got mama's home cooking dehydrated, that might be go. just a little bit better. Squish me some jiffy cornbread in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So you get back to Chucky, you go pick up Alan. Yeah, and and his uh, like I said, his family's in Colorado. They're down at you know down in Rifle, Colorado, and uh, they're at a uh, they're at they're at a KOA there, and they have their camper, and you know rest up, take a hot shower, get a good you know home cooked meal, get a good night's sleep. We show back up the next next morning, and this is uh, I know the, the story was eventful, but this is where you know the chips really start falling in place here. Uh. I go directly above, you know, because remember, I can drive down a ridge line that is directly above. I can I can drive down the cliff that's right above the ridges where the elk are living on the north faces. You can park your truck and literally 1,300 yards, like, you know, straight down is where the elk are. But you're talking about an entire day to get that distance. That's how bad the terrain is. Well, I parked my truck there, and <clears throat> I said, hey, I'm not going to do the mistake that I made last time. I said, I want to sit here. I want to listen to bugles. I want to get eyes on elk, and then we'll pick a ridge, and we'll pound it. You know, we'll find a way down. We'll go down it. And uh, <clears throat> yeah, I, you remember at this point, I have Alan with me. And we're sitting there, and it's before daylight. You know, daylight crest up, and we're sitting there, and... <clears throat> You know, nothing's really happened. It's really dark because, you know, we're looking on the north face and, you know, the sun is rising, you know, in the southern hemisphere because, you know, it's just learning, it's just leaning towards wintertime. So it's, you know, it's kind of coming up southeast, you know, east-southeast a little bit, rising yeah. right there. So it's real dark on the north faces. And I just, you know, I let out my best Floridian bugle I could, you know, and I screamed it out and I got a reply immediately. And Alan spots him first and there's, you know, there's a bull comes over a little roll way down there on that spine. 
he's coming up. You know, it was like, you know, game time. There's, he, there's, he's tracking towards you. He's like, who's that? Yeah, he I'm heard it. No, yeah, I'm at this, that distance way down there. This bull, they can pinpoint sound so good. This is incredible. I mean, it's like eagle stuff. He just looks. I remember, like, looking through. Alan has a good spot in scope. He looks up. He looks right at us. I'm like, that's incredible. And at this point in time, there are still mythical creatures that you cannot kill in my mind. You know, there's no way that I'm going to get in bow range, but I'm not going to quit. You know, but he looked straight up at me, and that just, like, sold it. I'm like, these these guys got turkey vision. You know, this, this, is, this is a real deal here. He just looked at me on top of this mountain. And, uh, yeah, but he went on about his way, put his head down, and he went behind some dark timber. And then I heard something behind me. You know, we're sitting on the edge of a road, and there's this cliff face. And here comes here comes this truck. It's moving at a pretty good pace. You know, public lands, people everywhere really nice built toyota comes up there and he's like <laughs> slides up there to me <laughs> oh crap yeah i can't wait to hear what's about to come out of this and this older gentleman steps out double hearing aids you know older gentleman steps out with his binoculars nicest guy you ever want to meet but you know public land you don't want to tell him your secrets and he goes he's like, you see any bulls and I'm like yeah i heard one the other day you know, just trying to be discreet. You know, I wasn't going to lie to the man. I wasn't going to tell him all my secrets. And uh, he walks up there and, you know, he's he's got his binoculars. He's got it on a, lean, uh, on a, on a stick or however you would, you know, like an optic stick. So he could rest it on his belt or on the ground or whatever so he could really see. And he's like, yeah, my son's on the way down right now. And I'm like, good Lord, man. I just spent four days on the mountain found these elk and this guy's about to go blow them out. That's what I'm thinking. You know, like, you know being the, the greedy side of me is thinking that, you know. <clears throat> and I was like, well, we're, we're yeah, we've, we've been looking at these elk too. We're going to head down here in just a minute. And all of a sudden, you know, it's, like I said, nice guy here when we meet. We're just talking back and forth, talking back and forth. And all of a sudden, just like this wagon train of people because he's pulling up at this point, pulling up at this point. And come to find out this ridge where these elk were, were the place where they are a lot. You know, they, you know these elk, it's a known place where they go. But the problem is, is people are too scared to go after them because of these cliff faces and stuff. Well, <clears throat> I told this, I, I, I said, I told that old man, I said, you know, we had a little bit of cell service here because Rifle Colorado was down. You know, they got a cell tower down there. And, they, and on the north faces, we had enough to send texts and stuff like that. And I said, hey, if you'll tell your son, there's two guys coming down there behind him. I said, we can work together or we can work against each other. Um I said, the only way I can see this being successful for all of us is if we're, we just do this in teamwork effort. This is one ridge. All the elk are on that ridge. I said, we can work together or work against each other. And we'll no, nobody's going to succeed if we work against each other. And I said, we can do this as a teamwork thing. And I got a hold of his son. He's like, come on, man. So let's do it. And I start down. The, you know, we start down. And uh, <clears throat> that's cool that the guy was. Goddamn Florida boys, you know, it's my mountain. You know, you didn't run into somebody like that, you know. Uh, yeah, and I, and and honestly, I was expecting that because the only thing, you know, just like anything in life, you know, like what me and Murray do with, with fishing or, you know, shooting a wood duck hole or, you know, public land, whitetail hunting, you only hear the horror stories. You don't yeah. you don't hear about the good people that's trying to help you. I mean, you don't hear about the guy that stops on the side of the road and helps change his tire. You only hear about the guy that, you know, throws a bottle at you when he drives by. That's the guy you hear about. Well, you know, and we we start down the and come to and right before I got down there, come to find out this this guy's he's an old Vietnam Marine, 
And so I forgot to tell this part. Yeah, because when we pulled up there, these bulls crunk up, just like they did the day before, remember? And they're just, just echoing, man. Your dream come true. There's elk right here in front of us. This old guy, he can't hear it because high-pitched noises, you know, because, you know, it, his Vietnam experience and all of the, you know, all the things he went through, his ears were damaged so bad that he had no idea these elk were doing this. You know, but, you know, he was artillery man. Yeah, no, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, and I kind of feel bad the way I felt about it at the beginning because I was still like, you know, you know, me, number one thing. I was, I was, I was acting greedy when he pulled up. I didn't want anybody to know they were there. Come find out everybody in the country knew they were there. They were right. too scared to go after them. And it humbled me. And that just kind of brought me back down to ground zero saying, hey, you know, you know, need, need to be a team player here. That's, that's the only way this is going to work. But we started down the mountain, and the guy's name's Brody. This is him in this picture. <laughs> of course it is in yeah. Colorado. Yeah. It started down the mountain, and uh, we actually didn't meet up with him until the next morning. But we started down the mountain. We got on that north face where all all the bulls are and with all the cows and everything. And <clears throat> like I said, I'm thinking I'm thinking these, these animals are really unkillable. And I'm thinking that, you know, that, well, a lot of times whitetail hunting, you have to think defensively. Because if you have a high-pressured whitetail, a really, really high-pressured whitetail in public land, and you bust him out of an area, I don't care if this is his – his land this is where he lives if you bust him out of there once or twice he ain't coming back he's gonna find a new place i don't care i don't care if he's got 18 scrapes right there he's not coming back if you spook him enough and i'm thinking that about elk well i get down there and and brody's done this before he's 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 been a high he was actually a very good elk hunter and i didn't know this at this time because i didn't meet him i've never met him before but I got down there, and he worked down to a lower elevation. I was on a higher elevation, me and Alan. We set up a little place to camp and wait till dark because just like anything, morning and evenings is the high, you know, high activity of these animals. And that's and the evening's creeping up upon us. Still haven't met Brody. He is on this north face with us somewhere. And we don't have a GPS location on each other. Was he in the lower elevation setting up for the morning when the thermals would be rising so that way they – well, no, they'd be, they'd be smelling him then if see, it's in the morning. And, and see, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. And I, I'm thinking, you know, I'm thinking all defense here. Yeah. I'm thinking like, you know, if I screw up, these elk are going to blow off this mountain and I'm never going to see them again. That's what I'm thinking. All oh, defense, 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 defense. You know, find your offense in the defensive tactics. That's what I'm thinking at this moment. Well, that evening, I, I still didn't understand, you know, I still didn't know the things that I knew that it was going to materialize in the next 72 hours. But, you know, that evening, you know, Brody's in a much better place because little did I know he's been here before. And he's actually been on this ridge before. He's had killed bulls on this ridge before. That's why he was here. And I'm at a higher elevation, so I really got a vantage point. And evening came and the bulls crunk up again, doing it the way they're supposed to be doing. They're screaming left and right, you know, just – and. Well, there's a little knoll in between these ridges that rises up. And on the south face of that, you can see because it has those button bushes and stuff I was talking about. And there's just cows started moving everywhere. They're just cows, 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 cows. I'm like, good Lord, there's way more elk in here than I thought. And then the herd bull steps out. I'm talking, the booner, I'm talking about. I'm talking about like the, the man, you know. And six by six monster. Oh, yeah. Shaggy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Just. You know, he's got big well tails, you know, big eye guards. It's just every point 
was just the way you wanted it. I'm talking about like a bull you put on the wall. Incredible. Look, you'd shoot this bull in a trophy unit, much less an over-the-counter tag. And, and I'm just watching him. I'm like, well, no chance of getting him tonight because he's on that face. And if I move, he is, you know, he is going to see me, or at least his cows are going to see. That's you come to find out. That's what you have to worry about: is cows, not the bulls, because the cows are looking. The bulls are just <laughs> they're looking at cows. <laughs> yeah, that's all they're doing. And <clears throat> so I'm watching them, and I heard Brody crank up, uh, crank up down the hill right there, and he's bugling. And every satellite bull, and if you're not an elk hunter. The satellite bulls are the ones that are going around the herd. They're moving around it, and they're very vocal, and they're call, you know, they're acceptable to calls because they're looking for cows that the herd bull has not already claimed. Yeah, they're pick, they're picking off stragglers. They want to get to their get to them as quickly as possible, so that herd bull don't get them and get him in hit get you know get those cows in the herd. So as over the counter floor boys, that's the bulls we're looking for, you know. <clears throat> Brody cranks up and he's just he's bugling he's bugling me thinking defensive tactics so I'm like man he's really getting it I've never been elk hunting I've never been rut elk hunting before and I'm still thinking I'm I'm thinking Osceola turkey hunting here you know you start whistling Dixie to an Osceola turkey he's gonna fly the next county you can't do that you know this isn't a this isn't a Merriam you know you can't be squawking on it and I'm still thinking that I'm thinking defensive tactics be calm you know be subtle things of this nature and he's just, he's really ripping it but these elk were, you know, they were they they were really paying attention to him, and they started pulling him past me, pulling him past me. And I said, you know, well, there was there was a cut, there was a, I kind of cut them off the pass, and they come by me, and they really worked up there by him, and he almost got a shot that night. I had a bull that probably actually seen him, probably about sixty yards. Yeah, it was it was so thick you couldn't. I mean, you'd had it'd been like mortar fire trying to kill him. But uh, there, there was no way to get a shot. But I did see elk that night. It was a success, and there was they were all vocal around me. And anybody that's ever elk hunted, it was if bulls are if if elk are communicating with you, you're already this is a successful hunt. You know, if you're hearing elk do elk things, you know the the kill after that is just a plus. You know, you're 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 in, you're in there where they're at. You know, it's just a wonderful experience. <clears throat> Dark came. Neither one of us got a shot that night. Climbed back up to where my campsite was. Like I said, Brody was camping down below me. <clears throat> he was camping down below me. Uh, night fell. I heard the herd bull up towards the ridge, and he was just yodeling all night, just screaming, screaming. He just he wanted everybody that was this side of satellite range to know not to come in that canyon unless you want to deal with him. It was just magical. He just up there screaming. Next morning, there was good frost on the ground. It's pretty cold. It's September, you know. It's not. This isn't. This isn't. You know, snow-capped mountain time. It's still pretty warm, but it was. There was good frost on the ground, and I woke up that morning, kind of. To be honest with you, in my mind, I had no idea what to do. I had no idea to run up or down, look on the south face and north face. I didn't know what they would be doing, and I also knew there was a man down below me that could have possibly ran them off or not, because I don't know how. I don't know, if, you know. I don't know if you ever seen a whitetail do this, but you can walk to a tree stand and a whitetail can smell your footprints like a hound does. Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't know if elk could do that. If elk can do that, how am I going to kill that thing? Because I just walked all over this mountain. You know, there's no way I'm going to get close enough to this thing if he's tracking me like a bloodhound. So I, I really didn't know what to do because I felt like Brody was in the position, and 
<clears throat> daylight came. The I heard I heard a bugle. It wasn't the craziness I heard the night the the morning before. The sun rose a little bit, and it hit that knoll that I was talking about. That all the cows and the herd bull was on. It's just a little tiny spine that sticks out between these other two. And I have a video of it. I wish I could show all of y'all listening, but there's just little rock knoll like you could paint it in the picture at a louis lamore book graphic novel anybody that ever put put a brush on a canvas there's this knoll with this rock face and this big herd bull just steps out there and he's got frost on his back and he just shakes off and just he just echoed through the canyon and it just woke everybody up you know, I'm 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 just looking at because I'm in the adjacent ridge and it's like you know I if I'd had a rifle I could have got him. He wasn't about three fifty. You know, it was a good poke. I mean, about it was a good shot rifle shot. But I'm standing there with a stick and arrow playing the game, Indian game, and I'm just looking at him. I'm like, man, this is this it's just what dreams are made of. I mean, if I could have picked out any place for him to stand, that was it. And he's sitting there just screaming at us, letting us know those guys was down there bugling before. He's still the boss, and he's standing there. And then I heard Brody crank up down there. And he bugled, he bugled a few times, and then I heard my phone, my phone buzz. He's like, "Hey, man, I think I just whacked one." I was like, "Well, that's pretty awesome." Yeah, and then to come to find out that morning, when those satellite bulls had crashed down upon him, and you know that as soon as he made a noise, when the satellite bulls run up there, and I, I, I think if, if I remember right, he said it was right at twenty yards. He dumped it right in the ten ring. And, uh, man, he sent me all this information. He's going to get mad at me, but he, uh, <clears throat> he's got, if he's got, you know, the best Matthews gear set up, he's shooting like a 560 grain broadhead. He's shooting dragon bolts of these animals. You know, he hits this bull, both double lung shot goes through, pass through it, and just buries it into an oak behind him. I mean, if, Done and done. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean it's, it's very hard to get a pass-through on an animal this size. So this is a this is a bull elk here. This He is a satellite bull, but he's a grown animal. Yeah. You know, he's he's not two, the Two and a half feet. Oh, yeah, rib, oh rib, yeah. Rib, yeah. Yeah, a very dense animal. We passed through it, you know, sticks and trees. And, you know, and uh, he texted me. He was like, hey, man, I think I just got one. And I was, you know, sweet. And I'm still looking at this bull. And I worked my way down, you know, calling – you know, I don't hear anything really, but he he told me about where he was, and we found. Yeah, you know, I got down. I actually found the bull before I found him, and you know, and like I said earlier, I found this shed right here, and that shed right here. He actually tried to pay me for it, and I, he probably still wants it, but I ain't gonna sell it to him. He he wants this shed because this is his bull's shed. <laughs> if you're looking at it, like like in these pictures I have here, every point, guys, that's not li- you know, guys and gals that's not listening, is this this shed has an amazing whale tail coming off the back, which is a big Y off the end of an elk uh, off an elk antler, and every point on it was you know at least you know six to ten inches longer. It's a little bit heavier. It is when in doubt, his bull that he killed. And I found it the day before the bull died on that beautiful plateau sitting up there on the adjacent ridge. And I, I to me, I, I can never get rid of it because that, this will always remind me of that day. Right. And, you know, one day when I'm 80 and laying in a bed somewhere and I can't remember crap, I'm going to look at this shed and I'm going to remember that day. That's why it's so valuable to me. 
you know, it's interesting. I didn't want to interrupt you in the story, but this is why I, I love the podcast. And I sometimes wish that other people could be here because I was watching Will's eyes when he's relating the story about that big herd bull with the frost on his back. You know, when the sun comes up, he's ripping. And I don't know if you guys noticed there was that pause in the podcast. But if you watched his eyes, he wasn't here. Oh, yeah. Like, he was, you could just, he was gone for a little bit. And the only thing he could see was that, that vision of that herd bull across on the other ridge shaking off the frost. And it's, uh, it's, probably, it's probably the best things about, I wish I could say this was a job, but you know, right. <laughs> best, thing, best thing about this job yeah. is, uh, is, is getting to see people who are passionate about what they do. And when you see that moment where, although they're relating the story to us, they're not really here when they're telling it. And it's awesome. So thank you very much. Yeah, you know, we, uh, one of the guys I did a podcast with last week, uh, actually guides elk in Colorado. And he does a lot of, he himself does a lot of archery hunting with elk. And he mm-hmm. said that he tells people every single time they go out that if you're carrying a bow, as soon as you sink that first arrow, you better have another arrow knocked immediately. Oh, yeah, a lot of, He's a like, lot of and people then, dump and, another one in. Yeah, he said, and then send that other arrow in. He said, because most of the time, they don't know what hit them. So they're going to run a little bit and then stop. Yeah, as soon as he stops, you rut, sink a second arrow. Because yeah, most of the time, I mean, I, I don't know the percentage. I'm just going to round about it here. I'm going to say 75% of, maybe even 80% of every bull that comes in to calling is coming into a bugle which is another bull and he's ready to fight so when a, when a yellow jacket bites him on the side you know he's you know whatever you know he turns around and runs 20 yards looks back you know like, what happened you know like because he's he's there to fight so yeah being ready without the second arrows i mean you can watch any of the videos out there yeah a lot of people hit him with that second arrow well you've even seen that with a white tail man you, you even with a rifle man you punch a right a white tail in the middle of the rut. Mm. And you ever see them spin around? Like they're looking a, for what the hell got me. I got a 13-point you know? hanging on the wall inside that I shot him the first time with a 12-gauge slug at 30 yards. Mm. And then he ran to 15 yards and stopped and looked at me in the tree stand. I said, insurance. And I shot him again. <laughs> <laughs> but I imagine when they're all hyped up with all that adrenaline and stuff like yeah. that, that when they get hit by something, the first thing through their mind is challenger. Oh, yeah, the whole time that, that buck I shot twice, the whole time he came down that bottom that I was sitting in, he had his ears laid back, his neck stretched out. He was looking for a fight. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. But so you find you find the bull that uh, Brody, oh, yeah, yeah, Brody yeah, yeah, shot. Yeah, yeah I, we found the bull when we were sitting there because uh, yeah, Brody, and, you know, he successful anytime over the counter. Shoot, I don't care. If you have a trophy tag and – you're successful with a bow. I mean, it's accomplishment in itself. Anytime you lay hands on an elk, it's it's a once in a lifetime. I don't care if you do it a hundred times, still a once in a lifetime, you know, experience. And, you know, Brody got his bull, found his bull. He he went and he put it in the tin ring. Yeah, I think he ran about twenty five yards, dumped in a in a little little head of oaks right there that was completely you couldn't see it from you couldn't see if it had a helicopter right over it, but it was pretty open underneath it. Really beautiful place. Elk expired. He was done in just a few minutes. Because I mean, shoot, a few seconds because, you know, he double-lunged him. And uh, Brody went down and he packed up his camp. And we made it to the bull. And he left his bow sitting there on. And that's when I start first started examining, you know, these heavy arrows. You know, it's something I've never experienced. But Brody's put a lot of thought into this. You know, he's heavy arrows. He's got, you know, a metal sleeve down there by his broadheads. 
as solid piece broadheads and just really heavy stuff because he knew that he needed that penetration, which is things that I didn't truly think about, you know, on my way out there. And uh, everything it, that helps that kinetic energy. Uh, it's, it's, I mean, because if you make a bad shot on an elk, you need that pass through to give you the blood trail to find them. Because, I mean, I was fortunate. That shot that he made was fortunate, but sometimes we're not fortunate. And, uh, you know, having the right setup matters. And, uh, you know, he, he taught me a lot about that. But uh, we we cut uh, – we we took his bull. We uh, packed it up. I got to say, he come up He come up from the bottom, met him. You know, we all high-five, shake hands. It was like – it was like reuniting with a buddy, and I never met the guy before. You know, but, but – you know, through the crucible of of being on the mountain together, it was like we knew each other, you know, already. And it was kind of a weird thing. You had to been there. But, um, yeah, we packed, we cut up his bull, and we was fortunate enough to be able to fit it in three packs. He put the head on his, you know, we uh, just like European that didn't take the cape. He put it on his pack, and we, we, we got him out in one trip up the cliff. Oh, I, I didn't tell you. But <laughs> Alan, my buddy, you know, I went and picked him up earlier in this story. You know, luckily enough, fortunate for me, he's a mountain warfare instructor for the Marine Corps. And granted, I know he's flying helicopters for the National Guard, but he was a mountain warfare instructor in Bridgeport, and which trains all every Marine that goes to mountain warfare school has to go to high altitude training. And they learn repelling. They learn, you know, sleeping in the snow. They learn everything mountain warfare related. So you know, I had an instructor with me. You know, it was a good thing. And so what he did is he brought our, the repelling gear and the ropes and stuff. And the next time I went down, the, went down that cliff, you know, he, I had that equipment. So we just, we could run down it, you know, because he had the right stuff. You still got to come back out though. Right. But I mean, at, yeah. at the point, you know, if you have that rope, I mean, I can climb that wall right there with the rope. Mm. You know, yeah. But without it, mm. You know, so, I mean, that, that really changed the game for us. But still, you had to carry an elk up that. You know, but just had to take your time. It was it was hell, but it was the best hell you could be in because you had an elk on your back. And granted, you know, this wasn't our bull, but and I don't know, the selfish part of us would think that, you know, like, ah, well, you know, I made it down here. This is the worst place I could possibly ever find an elk. You know, I don't know if I would tote one out for somebody or whatever. If you're in that experience – and somebody pulls the trigger. I don't care what day it is. If it's the last day of the season, you're going to pack that elk out for them because, like, you're through, you're in that crucible with them. And there was never there was never any, any second guessing or questioning. Will we help? You know, Brody, you're not the guy we've never met, but you know, just jumped right on it. Was happy to do it. I was happy to see an elk. You know, like I, at still at this point, you know, I'm thinking this is impossible to kill these things. You know, I'm just happy to be here. I'm just out there grinding it out, and. uh we got his elk out, you know, <laughs> tired as ever. He got out and, uh, you know, he gave us you know, quite a bit of meat. And it was a wonderful experience. Met new friends, probably lifelong friends. You know, anytime I'm out in Colorado, I'm, I'm going to be hitting him up. But uh, we went back down to his parents, you know, got a hot shower, refueled, rewatered up, and then come back out the next day. <clears throat> But instead, you know, we knew where those elk were, and we just beat feet down the mountain. Got down there in, in amongst them. And, well, Brody told me, he said, hey, uh, you know, 
you helped me pack my elk out. I really appreciate it. So me and dad, we're going to stay up on the cliff face and we're going to provide guardian angel for you. And, you know, the Marine Corps, we call guardian angel. Anybody that's up high where they can see, they can cover and fire, whatever. They can tell you what's going on around you. Well, he was up on the cliff face and thankfully we had just enough cell service to send the text every once in a while. And he would say, Hey, you know, I see, I see something. You're there. It's a good idea for you to stay or whatnot. Well, the next morning, woke up, no bugles, no nothing, no impact, no idea. Kind of kicking rocks, you know, at this point, you know, like they were here you know, where are they at? I don't have the energy to run through these mountains, you know, and, and find them. But, and Brody says, Hey, I don't, Hey man, I don't see nothing. You know, I'm looking everywhere, but I, I, I don't see anything, but I heard a bugle. I heard a bugle to the North on the other Ridge. The one, you know, this is the one that I originally seen. This is the, this is the same Ridge that I found the shell, the shed on. He said, I heard a bugle over there. Well, the day that he killed the bull, I seen the herd bull crest that following his cows. Cause the cows spotted us, you know, cause me and Alan, not knowing we're doing, we're up there and they seen us and they crossed the next Ridge and went over. He said, Hey, I see, yeah, I heard a bull over there. And, the wind's starting to be taken out of me and Alan at this point because we've been on the mountain for a pretty good while. Already towed an elk off and, you know, starting to feel sorry for yourself, you know, being a wuss. And we said, like, me and Alan made the decisions, like, hey, man, you know, we need to go up there and we need to reevaluate what we're doing. We need to find the elk and then, you know, straight down attack. You know, we need, we need to figure out exactly where they're at, new game plan, and go. And I was like, well, that, you, you're right, man, because if not, we're just shooting in the dark here. You know, it's, it's to, to travel 100 yards on that mountain was like walking a quarter mile here. Right. And we were just about to walk up, and I said, man, I said, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm never, I'm never going to come full draw on one up there on that cliff. I said, me and you up there be the same thing as both you know, me and you up there would be the same thing as just you by yourself up there and i said if i if if you go by yourself and i cross that ridge there's a chance if there's a chance you know I, I i'm tired you know i'm my body's telling me my mind body and everything's telling me to you know go up there get a hot shower take a rest reevaluate come down do it another day but I, I just said, you know, I, I got I got to cross and I got to go over there where Brody said that was. You can go up there and you can tell me if you see something. He said, but I'm not I'm not going to release that arrow up there. So there's no chance if I go up there for it to happen today. And he said, you know what, you're right, man. So we split up, and <clears throat> he went he went up the bear trail, made it to the top, went back. I don't know what we did, went to Chuck E. Cheese or something, <laughs> you know, and I'm still climbing the mountain, went down in the valley, and that was the first time I ever seen, I don't even, what what turkeys are in Colorado? Is that Merriam's? Yeah. The Merriam's? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I found, if boys, if y'all want to kill some Merriam's, I know where they're at, but you're going to have to work <laughs> for them. I found the Packing mother load out. of Merriam's. I'm talking about like like 60 degree angle mountains, gobblers everywhere. It's like Shangri-La of turkey hunting. If you have a helicopter, but I found the boys. <laughs> <laughs> but it, you know, I made it through, made it through all of them. Had a pretty cool experience because I've never seen turkeys. I've never seen Merriam at this point, but I went and I, I got up, went up that south face, which is that real desert-like button bushes or, you know, 
any biologists forgive me i don't know what exactly they are they're hell to walk through <laughs> made it up south face and i got at the top kind of laid out my stuff for camp and starting to get towards evening and <clears throat> alan makes it back up top he takes he said hey man i'm up, i'm up here on that on that spine that you're on and i'm up here well, evening comes and i know that you know the movement's about to start <clears throat> at least they didn't say i'm up here with a cold beer yeah yeah <laughs> just took a shower got some of that colorado kool-aid yeah and it's warm <clears throat> yeah yeah right <laughs> Fried elk steak, sitting on the ridge. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, because he still he had Brody, so he could yeah. have done that. But he, I don't know, he's 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 super nice guy. He you have done you look like you drag a little bit there, buddy. Yeah. yeah, but the thing was because like you would look, you could look down on this area and you'd be like, yeah, no problem. It's just right. It's literally it is literally right there. But you don't know the hell you got to get to to get there. And you would look at those bushes I'm talking about, and you you know you'd say they're knee high. You get there and they're ten foot. You know, it's just. Uh, the depth perception just wasn't there in this environment. It's just the worst place you could ever kill an elk. I can think of. <laughs> and, Why and, they're there? Unless I have some incredible intel, I'm going to be back there next September, and uh, I'm happy about it. But I hate myself for it. <laughs> it's it's just a bad place. But man, they're, they're there, and I'm I'm going to go back until I find something better. Oh, so I made it up there, and, and you know. Yeah, Alan's up top, and as as the evening approached, I started my hunt. I started my way down the spine, you know, doing soft uh, soft cow calling and listening. <clears throat> it dropped a few hundred feet because, you know, I highly doubt there would be any elk on the spine on the actual crest of the spine. I would be kind of excluding myself. I would have to be confident in my calling ability to call an elk to the actual spine. So I knew they would be probably a few hundred feet down from the actual crest because I didn't see them in the evening times feeding on the south face. <clears throat> I worked my way down the ridge, and then like 20 minutes into it, I'm, I'm cow calling, and I uh, had a had a uh, had a Rocky Mountain. I had a Rocky Mountain game call. Uh, it's like a grunt call. What do you what do you call those things? Well, it's not. It's, it's a grunt call with that that style of call. But I went out there with mouth calls, and I just wasn't confident in my ability. But it's it's like a, it looks like a grunt tube for a whitetail, but it's an actual cow call for for an elk. <clears throat> so it goes, yeah, yeah, it's just yeah. meh, yeah. meh. And that's all a cow. You think a giant animal that makes something crazy, but then you know a bull elk is a scream. I, I worked. Uh, I worked. I worked my way down the spine, and twenty minutes into it, a cow call. And after after a second, I released that Rocky Mountain game call, and I heard heard what seemed to be a, a tractor like coming straight towards me. And the noise seemed to be coming directly below me, and the crashing the crashing of the pines and bushes seemed to be unreal, at, as it was so loud it was startling as the noise approached me, and it as, and then it ceased and halted. Is what I knew to be in bow range. I mean, it was like I knew it was really close, but like I said, this this terrain is so thick. And I mean, it was, it was really startling because I mean, it's just like something was below me. Yeah, you know, I don't know. It could have been Bigfoot at this point, but uh, <laughs> but you know, it's like crashing coming up there, and then just got right there upon me and just quit. It was really surreal. And what do you figure he was doing at that point? Just probably got his nose in the air, 
trying to figure out what's there? Well, yeah, there's all kinds of things going through my head at this moment. But, and uh, I'm really glad this happened. <laughs> but, you know, I had a feeling that whatever this was below me, could, could it was in sight of me. That's why it stopped. And remember I said these, these animals had an incredible ability to pinpoint what, you know, now what they what they hear, they know exactly where it is. Like I need to be a, a ventriloquist could be the best elk hunter in the world because we can direct the sound. <laughs> yeah, but I was looking and I, I remember I remember I was looking and I said, "Dear God, that's the biggest mule deer I've ever seen." Well, I haven't seen a mule deer at this point, but that's what I was thinking when I first seen it. But come to find out, it was a, it was a really big to me uh, spike bull elk. You know, which is you you're not you can't kill them. It's not legal. It's not of all the elk in Colorado. You know, it can't be a spool. You know, I could have got a cow, you know, but I couldn't get a spike bull. And uh, yeah, he he worked his way up like 15 yards from me, and it was a uh, yeah. It became real. I was like, this can't happen. That's what I was thinking, you know, because he came right up there on me. You know, he never seen me. I'm like squatted down in some like tall grass, which is weird because there's not a lot of grass in this area. But I'm like squatted down in it, like savanna looking grass. It's about waist high you know to the knee he was about shoulder and uh you know i just remember his spikes like as big as my arm <laughs> you know like we're we're used to one horn spikes here yeah in, you know okala national forest you know <laughs> big buck boys but no it's it, you know just a monster of an animal but i was you know his spike bull went on about his day and he worked away he just made this 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 craziest noise. Maybe one day I might find an elk hunter that knows what this noise is. But he was just he's a little, it's like he's his weird noises. I don't know. I'd, maybe one day I can find somebody that knows what it was. But um, and at this point, remember I dropped a few hundred feet off this spine. Um, I'm I'm bugling light, nothing aggressive, because I'm 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 thinking turkey hunting. You know, that's all I know is turkey hunting for responsive calls. And you, we can do a few grunts here in Florida to a whitetail, but you get too crazy, you're going to run everything out of the county. I'm thinking turkeys. Well, in the evenings, turkeys are not as active, but they are responsible. They are responsive to calls. So I was doing the same approach to elk. You know, I'm doing bugles, but not like the, I'm pissed off bugles. It's like, hey, I'm over here bugles. And I'm doing cow calls, just like soft and sweet. You know, thinking every time I do it, I would think it's soft and sweet. And I worked my way on down the ridge. And every once in a while, I'd check my phone just to see if I heard something from Alan. And he says, you know, <clears throat> I got a text that, you know, halfway down the ridge, I see a cow. And I, I still remember, I said, sounds tasty. You know, because <laughs> the reason I do this because I like, I like wild game meat. It's the only reason I'm a hunter in the first place is ever since the beginning of my start of a hunter has been because of the meat. That's the only reason we ever did it. But now I'm you know, in Colorado, not in North Florida. And uh, <clears throat> so when I, I moved a little bit further down the ridge and I'm doing cow calls and I had, man, I didn't really feel like I'd, I didn't know how to call a cow, neither, you know, I really didn't know much about elk hunting at, at all at this point. But um, I started hitting these like really dark timber spots it was just absolutely gorgeous. You know, there was like no vegetation under it, but it was really dark timber. You know, big pines, but it's still on a, at least a 45 degree grade. Really steep, really steep, but it was nice. And the elk had, I mean, it looked like 
it looked like the bank's in a round pen. I mean, you could t- it looked like where cow trails because, like, you know, they cut out in grooves and in, in like horizontal paths and stuff in these in these mountains. And I get a, he's, and I get a text from from Ali. He says three by four bull shooter shooter shooter. Not that, and I'm like, oh, I'm in the right spot. That's what I'm thinking, you know. And and, and I bugle. Cal called, I, I cow called three times and I bugled once. And then, you know, I'm not replying to him because I'm still trying to pay attention to what's in front of me. He, I, he says, he's on the way. And I'm like, this, this might happen. And I remember I knocked, I knocked my arrow and I'm just looking downhill because like, I'm in this open area, but I, I sat down beside this tree with a little bit of shrubs, you know, I'm trying to find some place to conceal myself and, I had no idea like where would this elk come from. I had no idea at this point. And I calculated one time and I let out another just location bugle, just nothing crazy. And I had my phone sitting down there on the ground beside me and he lit up again. He says, he's really coming now. And I'm just, hopefully he's coming to me, you know, I'm just and I'm just sitting there and you know, it, I, I don't know if it was one minute, an hour, what, but I just remember just sitting behind my boat and just calm myself and just like, you know, be ready for whatever comes next. And all of a sudden, I, the only way I can explain it was a ghost. But I could just see, I seen points rising up, like over this little knoll, almost directly below me, coming in a 45, working his way up this mountain. And like I said, it's real dark timber, but there's no vegetation under it. It's just pine needles and everything and i could just see these horns rising rising and then as soon as those horns rose above that knoll and that that knoll was probably 50 yards and i the, i still I, I still think about it every day i still think about I, I when i seen his head i said my god how big is this animal because i remember it, I, his head like it was three foot long you know it was just i because i've never seen an elk of you know that that spike bull, he was a he was an elk, but he wasn't a mature bull elk. Right. Yeah, you know, and I just I remember this giant head. And I was he was just floating. Remember this the spike I just seen sounded like a tractor coming up the hill. But this one here was deathly quiet. I never heard him. I literally never heard him until I and, and you know until after the fact. And he's rising up, he's coming, and all of a sudden he's in full and at this point, as soon as I seen points, and you know, I'm I'm at full draw and I'm just I'm anchored and I'm just relaxed. You know, just breathe lower you know lower your lower your heart rate you know just remember your training to be quiet to be still and he's working his way up in a 45 from left to right he's working his way up he's working his way up i don't know where the trails you know this isn't a tree stand i haven't scouted this area i know nothing about where he's at he's working his way up and he's, he's closing fast he's he's in the slowest walk you could possibly think but he's covering ground that a human would make at a full sprint it's incredible how these animals can traverse these mount these mountains with complete ease. They're at home here. You know, we're aliens in this environment. He works his way up and he's about to step out into the trail that I could see. And I was like, well, it's easy day, man. He's right there. And right before he steps in that trail, he turns his head and he looks at me and just freezes. Every muscle in his body just locks up. He's almost dead center looking straight at me. And that was, you know, in, in my mind, the whole way there, I'm like, please, God, don't, don't give me a frontal shot. I'm not ready. 
You know, I'm just, you know, I'm confident in my abilities, but I don't want to have to make a frontal on an elk. And I, but this is, this is the moment. You know, there's nothing, he has spotted me. I remember the pressure release off the, off, you know, off the release. I remember when the, I remember when it let go of my shoulder blades. I see the flight of the arrow. And halfway to him, it hits a twig. Yeah. No impact, no idea. I don't have no idea where this arrow went. He's gone. This elk, he is, I've never seen an animal of this weight move this fast. He's barreling down the hill, just kind of tearing up trees and stuff. And he's going downhill. And, and in this moment, there's no, there's no, there's no time to think. There's no time. There's only reaction. I, at this time I had the, I, I had, I had the cow call back in my mouth. I hit it. And then I drug out. Went, and when he did, when I hit, when I hit that second, that long drawn out mew, he, he like pressed his left leg and he turned right. And when he did, somehow I was already re-knocked. I was already at full draw. And there was only reaction. Just my training just come, just, just come in, just come into play at this moment. And I just remember, I just said, be calm, Marine. And I let it fly. You know, it's completely dark in this timber, and I heard, and it hit. And when he turned, you know, I don't have a luminoc at this point. He turned, and I seen Fletchens hanging out of his ribs right there. And just, that tractor went back down the hill. Then, and he's going, he's going, he's going, and just like he hit an interstate, just quiet, nothing. And I, I still remember, I, I always expected, you know, what the excitement, you know, like, what would I feel with nothing? I remember nothing. I remember feeling nothing. It's like time stood still. The clock didn't move. And I just remember sitting there, like, everything that I've ever done in my entire life just come down to that moment. And it just happened. And then all of a sudden, it just <laughs> reality come back. And I'm like, that just happened. Okay. And you know, uh, I stood up, I stood up and I'm like, oh, and you know, in my mind, I still remember, I was like, what distance was he? I didn't have time to arrange it. You know, and I said, he's in between 40 and 50 when I pulled that trigger. So what I did is I took my 40 and 50 yard pin and I, I held it, you know, one high and one low, had a dead center in the tin ring and I let it fly. And, you know, that's, that's where it looked like the Fletchings hit. I moved down there and, and I couldn't find any blood because it was really dark and I didn't have the lights that like I wouldn't have streamlined out of the truck, you know, like I don't have much on the mountain cause I'm packing light and I find, you know, these tracks and I, I see where he barreled down there. And I know where that, I, I, I know where that, where that, uh, that noise, you know, where it ceased to exist down there. And there was a thicket down there. I could, I, man, my, my nerves were, I had to go, I had to go see. And I just, I follow those tracks. And I, when I hit that, when I hit that, um, that thicket i said i know he's on the left side but yeah i said it looks small i'm going to circle around the back side of it and come back up and I, I found like halfway through that thicket i found a big trail worked my way through it and 10 yard when i come out of the back side of it 10 yards down he was just piled up right there and uh, wrapped around a tree and so you stuck him because if you're only oh, 200 yeah. yards downhill he was dead halfway down oh yeah he was dead 75 yards yeah. but you know the the momentum 
you know, brought him that far down because it was very, very steep. And he wrapped around a tree. If he didn't wrap around that tree, uh, I mean, there's no telling how far he rolled because it was just so steep. And I remember coming out when I seen him, I just, I just, I, I just, I just stood and then I just like went down to my knees and I mean, I, I'll be honest with you. I just started bawling. I just, every emotion that ever as a hunter, like came to me every, <clears throat> my first Turkey, my first, you know, white tail, my first buck, you know, everything because like that, that elk laying there was my grandfather's dream. It became my dream because of him for Dunn's come down to this moment. And, you know, I just looking at that bull and as everything was coming to me and it, it, it the realization of what just happened and all the pain and all the struggle and the people that helped me out and just everything, all the preparation, all the training, all the shooting my bow, years of thinking, you know, this was impossible, you know, you know, busting these ridges, you know, cresting the mountains, you know, just everything laid right there before me and all my emotions, you know, came out. And I, it, it took a while for me to be able to actually approach the bull, put my hands on it. And when I did, you know, reality, you know, reality come down and every, you know, everything, you know, it's like, well, actually, no, I was just thinking like, man, I wish I had self-service. I just want to call, I want to call my buddy. I want to call his uncle. I want to call my grandfather. I want to call my mother. I want to call everyone. I want to tell everybody, you know, like, cause I, I, I just wanted everybody to feel what I was feeling right then. You know, the accomplishment and the humbleness that brought me, you know, at this moment, you know, I was just so thankful. And, and, um, but I, I finally did get a text out to Alan you know, and I was, I was telling him, man, like, you're the man, you know, I, I appreciate all the help, you know, you know, point me in the right directions. And you know. then, it, then I was like, oh, I repelled down in here. <laughs> this, this isn't a, uh, you know, this, this is, this isn't an antelope. It's not drag a, it out. Yeah. It's, <laughs> It's yeah. not a it's not a Florida whitetail. <laughs> yeah. Back the truck up, boys. Oh right, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just I'm thinking like you know, I'm <laughs> yeah. in New Zealand and you fly a helicopter in here and just pick this bad boy up. Yeah, I was in Allen. I'm, I'm hoping he's like you know come running down the mountain to me. Yeah, but he's like, yeah, I'm going to bed, dude. I'll see you in the morning. I'm like, what do I do? I want to enjoy every bit of it. And we strung up a rope. Well, I strung up a rope. And I just started quartering them out. And that went on all through the night. There was no rest. You know, because I mean, just the sheer, anybody that's ever done it knows the size of an elk. But for us, I mean, this is, it's like, you know, it's like cleaning a cow on the ground. You know, you don't have a tractor to pull it up in a tree. You don't have your buddies there to do it with me. It was just me. And <clears throat> so did you gut it first? Did you, did you take a rope and then pull one of the, use a, use a limb to get, get it splayed open so you can get a knife in there and pull the guts out or did you just no did you just work the the hams off and leave the skin on until you could work it later on being being a public you know a career public land uh whitetail hunter you know long distance you know public and you know, whitetail hunter I, I learned how to clean whitetail on the ground and pack them out in a pack 
you know, so I said, hey, this is, this is nothing but a gigantic whitetail. So what I did, you know, I just opened him up along, along the back, down the shoulder, you know. Gutless method. Yeah. And then you know, I hung with 550 cord up between two pines, and I just started hanging the meat. And then eventually, once I got that side done, I rolled it over and then worked on that side and did the gutless method. Uh, you know, come and got the, uh, the tenderloins out without actually spilling, yeah. you know, his insides. And I uh, just hung everything up, and then like daybreak was cresting, and um, I just built a fire. And I was like, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna eat some of this. You know, I'm I'm sm- I had been hazy out of this morning because you know I've been up for a very long time. I'm smoked. You know, the adrenaline's gone at this point. It's just just exhausting. But I remember sitting there, and I'm just I'm cooking this elk. You know, way too hot than I should be. What'd you eat? <laughs> huh? What part did you eat? How you want to get this? See, everybody thinks, oh man, you ate, you ate the tenderloin, didn't you? I was like, no, but I remember. The heart, but- yeah, that's what you'd think. But I remember I cut off the shoulder, and there's a main muscle that uh, attaches the neck. And it's every deer in the world has this muscle. You slope on the side of the mountain there. Yeah. It doesn't get any better, man. Yeah, no kidding. I was just, you know, I was waiting on help because I couldn't, I couldn't carry it out. And, you know, there's no. I don't have radio reception. I don't have cell, you know, because, you know, who knows where Alan is. Hopefully he's on the way. You know, I can't do this by myself. There's no way I can get this elk off the mountain in the amount of time before the meat spoils. And at this moment, you know, screw the head, screw my my bow. It's just I got to preserve this animal that I've, my whole life I've pursued. You know, it can't go bad. You have to think about whatever I can do to preserve this meat. But at this moment, you know, sun's rising and everything i remember i was sitting there cooking this elk and like i said i was cooking it too hot i was kind of burning a little bit because i was so excited to eat it you know, my energy depleted i just wanted some meat and i heard a bugle off in the distance down the hill 45 degrees about the same di- the same direction this bull come from and i heard just but anybody that's ever heard an elk bugle you, you know the difference there's the herd bull and then there's every other guy in the valley well, that herd bull has got a rasp to it. It's just, just like this some beast that is among the mountain with you. And that's him. You can hear him when he does it. And all of a sudden, he got closer. And he got closer. And you remember that thicket I was talking about I walked through? Well, all of a sudden, he's 70, 80 yards on the opposite side of that thicket from me. He's just chuckling and yodeling. He's just screaming. And he works his way up in 45-degree angle just above me, and he's standing in the exact same spot where I, where I released that arrow at. He's looking for the satellite bull because he knows somebody in his herd is missing. And he stood there for an hour bugling. And I'm sitting there with a, a decent fire burning, cooking you know, the satellite bull that I killed. And I'm sitting there cooking, I'm eating, I'm just listening to this herd bull. And at this point in time on the way out there, I'm thinking, you know, like I would be like mad. Because, you know, I could have killed the bigger bull. You know, he was right there. Literally, almost bow range. But I just remember the satisfaction of being in this in this situation and just being so thankful for everything that that, that they come down to this point. And I, literally after I took a bull off that mountain, I was listening to the herd bull standing right beside me, just bugling his butt off, man. It was just he was standing right there. I couldn't see him, but he was right there through the thick. He had no idea I was there. I was downwind of him. And I listened to him for an hour, and eventually he just faded off in the distance. And it was just 
it was 80 yards up the mountain. They sat there for that entire time that bull was doing that. They literally sat down like a dog. And I remember they watched me cook that elk with his carcass laying there, his meat hanging up behind me, and I'm sitting there roasting that elk. And I remember that that doe and that fawn sit there and watch me for that entire I felt like it was Dances with Wolves, that old movie. With, yeah. with two socks sitting on the hill. And it was like just curious. I, I truly feel like that place was so secluded and it was so hard to get to that those mule deer had never seen a human before. And they had no idea what I was. And they just sat there and watched me. And I just I just remember sitting there just feeling so blessed and everything that's ever happened. I just you know, just watched them and eventually they just fed their fed their way off. And I finished my meal and I said, you know what? I, I I can't rely on someone else at this moment. I got to start working this meat towards, you know, wherever the destination is to get it out. And I started working up to that cliff face, you know, just one pack at a time, one pack at a time. And eventually, you know, Alan met me down. And by the time, you know, by the time he got down there to me and was able to, you know, for us to get all the way back up, it was already black dark the next day. So that was, you know, dark, you know, I shot him right at the very twilight of, dark, of darkness. And it was already an hour and a half, two hours past, you know, sunset by the time I got him to the truck and off the mountain. It was, I was pretty tired. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'd say so. <laughs> Man. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but we really lost about the last 20 minutes of this episode due to a card writing error. But you got the whole story. You just missed out on a little bit of the post conversation with Captain Will McNutt about a little bit about his sheep hut and uh, so on. So I'm going to go ahead and give you guys the under pressure outdoors tip of the week. Do not. Let your SD cards get full, too full. Uh, pretty sure that's what happened in our case, but that also goes back to the SD cards and your trail cameras and so on and so forth, and your your video cameras if you're self-filming. When they get full, they don't work anymore. But thanks again. We'll catch you guys next week. Crawfish Bowl tickets are on sale if you go to our facebook page and go to the events the second annual crawfish bowl will be may 7th tickets are on sale through the eventbrite leak we hope you guys get some tickets and join us out there the crawfish bowl is going to uh, benefit tin can outdoors and they're going to be there with us and we got some sweet prizes to give away uh, another probably big prize and some smaller stuff you know so we'll see it's gonna be a good time we're gonna raise money for a good cause and eat a lot of great crawfish we'll catch you guys next week